In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to the Motor Mouth Podcast with Harry Benjamin and Tim Sylvie. This is the place where we meet some of the biggest names in and around motorsport, chat about their lives and everything in between. This week we are launching Series 4 with another formidable force in the world of Formula 1. We're really making our way through the Sky Sports F1 team at the moment on the show and this week we are delighted to be joined by Rachel Brooks. Starting off in the world of cricket when she joined the Sky family, she's worked her way to become one of the main faces of the Formula One coverage and she's here to tell us all about just how she did it, her unusual skills and so much more. Welcome to episode 37 of the Motormouth podcast, which is technically episode one of our fourth series. Now then, before I introduce today's guest, I have to head over to Essex. And did you know that Essex gets its name from the Anglo-Saxons who first used the old English name East Axe, meaning East Saxons? The county's coat of arms is still the three Saxon knives in a row. And as many of you will know, I'm a heavyweight boxing fan, so it's to my delight that I discovered that British boxing champ Frank Bruno originally hails from Essex. Anyway, enough of my incredible Essex-based facts. Let's bring in my cohort, Harry Benjamin. How are you? I'm so well, Tim. Um, I'm <laughs> 40 plus episodes now, I think, of no, 40 plus facts of Essex, and you're still going strong, which is great to see. Really glad you're putting in the hard work for these uh, podcasts. You're welcome. Um, I am very well. I've actually met Frank Bruno. Um, Get out of town. Ago. I know. Who'd have thought it, eh? Um, when uh, I was doing some, I was a runner for the BBC a few years ago and uh, I was sitting in the Williams motorhome and he comes across, asks uh, for a spare seat, uh, wearing a lovely uh, a lovely blue suit, very well-dressed man, very, very lovely man. Good. Oh, God, I'm very excited for you. I would love to act surprised, but we have to admit that we've had to do that twice. Because yeah, I really mucked up and didn't press record. I forgot to press uh, record. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, enough of my amateur antics. Shall we introduce today's guest? Let's do it. Again. <laughs> so we're slowly working our way around Sky Sports F1's power list with the likes of Karun Chandok Crofty and Natalie Pinkham appearing on the podcast. And we're delighted to be joined by yet another of their broadcasting stars, this time in the form of Rachel Brooks. Rachel started life in radio before moving through TalkSport IMG and eventually landing in Sky Sports, where she remains today. We're here to hear all about her life, career, opinions, and of course, see how she measures up to the all-important Motormouth quiz. Rachel Brooks, welcome to the Motormouth podcast. Hello, hello, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for coming on, uh, Rachel, and for sitting through two takes of the intro. Um, <laughs> Sorry about that. Just like working with Johnny Herbert, don't worry. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes, I have seen. Uh, <laughs> now, um, as as we've alluded to before, obviously we are still in a sort of a lock, lockdown, semi-lockdown, whatever you want to call it, but it was great to see racing back on track. You, you're able to get out a bit now, but how has your lockdown been over the course of, well, when did it all start? Sort of March time, didn't it? It's, it's been... 
Actually, I dare, dare say it, but it's actually not been that bad. Um, I moved into a new house last year and then was traveling all the races and got to the winter, saw family, had Christmas, went on holiday. And then kind of, we just started the year again. And I was thinking, I've got nothing in my house. Um, and lockdown meant that I just bought everything online. It all got delivered. I got pictures up. If anyone watched, we did some early vodcast episodes and stuff on Sky and I have completely bare walls. And then by the end of lockdown, there's decor around my house. <laughs> we <laughs> so all thought I you were just a minimalist. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty minimalist before, but I tried to use it to my advantage. And then obviously we were still trying to make programs and I did some Instagram lives with drivers, which was brilliant fun and really nice to talk to them and just catch up with people. So it wasn't that bad. But when I went to the first race, in Austria, I was desperate to get out there yeah. and get back. Yeah. yeah. I bet it's uh, that's one of the things that people just any, any excuse now to, to get out of the house is just just to see another human being is always just say yeah absolutely sign me up um, <laughs> but racing is back on track which is great to see so it's a sort of a new sort of normal world but you know like we do with these podcasts we like to talk about you and our guest um, so take us back to to where it all started for you where, where, where was home and, and what did you initially sort of aspire to be when you were younger was this written in the stars yeah, so I learned to drive originally in a VW Beetle. Started off when I was really tiny, sitting on my dad's lap. So he did the pedals and I did steering. And then learned the rest of it before I was you know, legally allowed on the roads to drive. Um, and my brother's done that now with his kids. His 11-year-old daughter was driving a VW Golf, including doing all the gears in a manual car around a field. Wow, that's About so cool. About two years ago, she was doing that. So, so that, that's inbred already. But then from my dad's side, he used to do endurance records and did seven days and nights. I mean, 24 hour more. Wow. <laughs> Wimps. <laughs> wow. But he, and, he and his team did seven days and nights. And then they did five days as well and the other records. So I was around that. And then both my brothers got into racing a bit as well. So I was kind of around Brands and Alton Park and Cadwell and Thruxton and places like that. Um, when I was still at school and yeah. then came out to do, they did a bit more. They've carried on doing it. They've kind of gone back to it. I've called it their midlife crises because they're both doing it again. Um, and one of them might actually be racing in Portugal on the Grand Prix weekend, which is quite mad. Wow, that's amazing. amazing. In, in, in what? Uh, there's um, there's a support race been announced called The Revolutions. Have you heard of The Revolutions? No, so it's like The Radicals. It's similar to The Radicals. But it's just been announced last night, I think. And nice. they're going to have them as a support race. And he raced one at Brands Hatch a couple of weeks ago. And so he might well be out there racing in Portugal, wow. which, which is completely mind-blowing for me to think. Yeah. But oh, that's amazing. Really cool. What a family, blimey. Well, like, talking, to, talking to school, um, I was watching a, a Dare to Be, I think it was a Dare to Be Different um, video on YouTube where you, you gave a speech in front of some of the, the people that came to watch one of their events. And you said um, that when you were at school, um, your aspiration was to own a sweet shop. So I, I'm curious to know whether that aspiration has come true. Do, do you have a sweet shop? I do. I'd oh. still love one. I would still love one. I remember um, my grandfather was so appalled by this notion that all I wanted to do with my life was run a sweet shop. I mean, it was my dream. There was this really cool little sweet shop near the school that you'd go in and it was kind of tucked between two other shops. So it was almost like a little secret alleyway. It was like it was off Hogwarts or something. And there were some magazines on the right and then the rest of the shop was sweets. And you remember the big plastic jars you used to yeah. have by the till and then they'd yeah. weigh them out for you. Yeah. It was just a whole wall of these jars. And then along the bottom were the penny sweets. So like white mice and then fish and chips and bananas and oranges and stuff. Um, and I used to take my 50p pocket money that's all I was allowed and I'd go and try and get 50p's worth of the best sweets oh then yeah, were the that's days. what I wanted to do when I was little you remember there's the little uh, the fruit salad ones and the blackjacks oh yeah the Black little Jacks. shrimps. Oh, yeah, God, good times. Yeah, I remember it well. Try going to a sweet shop now with 50p. I don't oh. think you'd get much for it. No. <laughs> Which, you know, those flying saucers are my favourite. Yeah. They're a penny each. Yeah. And they're now like... 10p each. Yeah. It's rice paper and sugar. Sure. I, I could do a whole podcast on uh, retro sweets. There's so oh, many. Yeah. Do you remember? Um, I've never seen them anymore. Do you remember Curly Whirlies? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I didn't pull that. Them. That was quite a while ago, wasn't it? I wouldn't call oh, that a retro suit. Oh, oh, hang on. Maybe so, they're chomps. No, but I thought curly whirlies were obviously they're like hard caramel, isn't it? Yes. Uh, and really difficult to eat. Yes. But they're the long ones. And I thought chomps were just smaller versions chomps. of them. That's no. what I think they've done. Oh, really? They've made chomps solid so they haven't got any holes in them, made them smaller oh. and charge you the same price. Ugh, swines, swines. <laughs> Oh, anyway, we, we can we already digress. This is a bad sign, and God knows where this is going to go. Um, right, let, let's bring it back to you. So, um, broadcasting. Did did what were the signs? Did you ever think uh, when you were growing up that this would be your future? 
So once I'd got through my sweet shock phase, um, <laughs> I started listening. I was given like a little clock radio um, for by my bed. And I must have been about eight years old, I think. Um, and I used to listen to this radio show by this guy called Timbo. And I can still remember his jingle. That's how much it <laughs> meant to me. Still remember his um, jingle for his show. Do you want to hear it? Yeah, absolutely. I'm waiting. <laughs> so his name is Timbo, Timbo Lloyd. And he was T for terrific, I for incredible, M for magnificent, B for brilliant. He was oh, 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 Timbo. Anyway, so <laughs> I used to listen to his show under the covers every night because he was like seven till 10 and I was supposed to be asleep. And I used to listen to him every night on the radio. And I thought, I want to do that. That's what I want to do as a job. I want to just talk to people on the radio. Um, and so that was it. Once I'd got that in my head, I just carried on trying to work out how to get into radio. And then went to my local hospital radio when I was 16. And they were like, no, 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 we don't take anyone that young. You've got to be 18 to start here. And I begged and I begged and I begged. And eventually they let me do it. And that's where I started. I started working in East Surrey Hospital Radio when I was 16, oh, playing that's... loads of really old records, like Prokohar and Whiter Shade of Pale and things like that. You Classics. know, just, just, you wouldn't play as a 16-year-old, but I'm like, this is for Dorothy on Ward 4. <laughs> <laughs> and I bet she loved it as well. well I bet she did. <laughs> so was um, so those early days, obviously you, you had that, you know, you were around cars, you were around motorsport, but did had you put two and two together, motorsport and broadcasting, or were you just literally, I like talking to people and that's what I want to go and do. When did sort of the uh, the sport element come into it or was that a bit further down the line? I kind of, I always wanted to do the radio and then <clears throat> I knew I wanted to do like a breakfast show on the radio because that seemed like the most fun. Mm. And I never really thought that I could work in sport or motorsport. And then Sky Sports News, when that started up, um, I didn't have Sky for a long time. So I didn't really know it existed. But then I started to hear about it more. I started to see more about it. And I was on a breakfast show um, in Southampton at Parafem. And a friend of mine, Sarah Rendell, told me about the um, Talk Sport, that Talk Sport were doing a radio show. So I was aware of Talk Sport, sorry, a TV show. They were, I was aware of Talk Sport, but they decided to bring in TV cameras. And I don't know if you remember this, there is a really old video of me on it somewhere on the internet. But um, basically, we were in a tiny little broom cupboard and they just put a TV camera in there. And in the ad breaks on the radio, because the advertisers hadn't paid to be advertised on TV, they needed us to fill the gaps. So we sat in this little broom cupboard. We had to ad-lib everything. There was no production, no nothing. There, were just, there was a guy sat in the radio gallery who also controlled the TV. And you sat there and you'd go in beforehand and you'd get all your notes off the internet and have loads of bits of paper in front of you. And you'd just read out sports headlines or results or anything you could to fill the ad break, basically, with whatever you wanted. Um, and she said to me, look, they're looking for, for other people as well. So I started doing that while I was at Parafem, and that's kind of my first foray into working in sport. But I was watching cricket at Hampshire and I was doing yeah. going to sporting events all the time. But I'd never thought I could tie in motorsport with it. I just it just didn't occur to me. And we, we heard that you uh, you wrote to Sky Sports for five years before getting through the door. What what was that process like? I mean that's that's a serious amount of uh, perseverance. <laughs> well it's when I started at Talk Sport, I spoke to um, Claire Tomlinson because she came in one day, she was doing some stuff and I said to her, who should I write to if I want to work at Sky? And she said Andy Kent. So I wrote to him and um, he replied, but obviously he was like, you know, great, carry on doing what you're doing kind of thing. And so I wrote to him for five years and I just badgered and badgered and badgered him. Um, and I'd heard that he was really, people say he's a tough boss. To me, he wasn't tough. He was just fair. He was just yeah. straight. If you work hard, he likes you. If you try and wing it, he doesn't really approve of it. And so I thought, right, I've got to prove to him that I'm you know, I know what I'm doing and I'm worth employing. So after five years of writing to him and saying, by the way, I'm doing this now and I'm doing this now and now I'm doing this and now I'm doing that, he eventually said, come in for a chat. So I went in for a chat and I'd said to him that I liked cricket. And so the night before I grabbed my friend and I said, right, you need to test me on all this. And it was county cricketers and county cricketers stats. Wow. And I learnt all of it. Two divisions. I learned everything I could. I didn't even touch England because I thought he'll assume I know about England cricket. And he sat me down. We had this lovely chat and this interview. And then he started asking me questions like batting averages, <laughs> bowling averages, and who's top of this in, the, in division two. And I answered every single one. And then he said afterwards, he said, well, if you quit your job tomorrow at TalkSport, I'll give you a job tomorrow. Wow. And so I went into TalkSport the next day and I quit. Oh and then I messaged, God. I rang him up and I said, I hope you were serious. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> 
was, luckily. So that's a good wow. lesson there, though, isn't it? I mean, perseverance does pay off sometimes. I mean, you you just got to go for it, haven't you? Sometimes and just throw your hat in the ring and not give up until you get a yes. He called me the terrier after that. I don't know if that's like a, a good thing or not. Well, it, but, but, it was like a little Yorkshire terrier napping at his heels. But it probably helps with your job because uh, was it Harry? Was it Natalie who, who was talking about getting your elbows out in the, in the media pen and stuff? And literally having to, you know, for, I think she she told a story about the first time she was in the paddock interviewing someone, and she, you know, it, it, you li- you literally had to get your elbows out if you want to get near a driver to to chat to them. Or back then, you did, you know, to sort of arm your way through all the various reporters and that kind of thing. And you've got to be. Uh, you've got to be bold, haven't you? And, and just sort of get to the front. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the important time for that is when they are... So we can't do it at the moment because we're not allowed in the pit lane, but when they come off the grid for the toilet run interviews, as we call them, yes. um, you everybody is trying to get to them. So you need to... It's kind of... It's a bit like a game of chess because you need to think, where do I need to position myself? I'm looking mm. for him. He's getting out of that car. I'm probably going to go through that gate to that toilet. Yeah. Like, where's my optimum place to be to catch them? And that is a lot of elbows out. That's a lot of... You've got to be there first get them and yeah. yeah so you don't you don't get you don't get given a slot then they're not like you know you have five past you have seven minutes past it's like get in not there first come first serve go for it free for all for those and yeah you know, uh, and it can get quite feisty you know when 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 you interview someone and then you have other journalists from other broadcasters sticking their uh, microphones or, or recording devices underneath the nose of the driver is is that is that sort of accepted as fair dues? You know, you, you can grab a sound bite from anyone, doesn't matter who's asked the question. Yes, because the way it works is that there are certain broadcasters have certain rights and other broadcasters can be there, but because they don't pay for the same rights, they don't get to ask their own questions. Right. So I'll, I'll stand somewhere. It used to be before all this and it all changed. I would stand somewhere in the middle and then either side of me would be two broadcasters who don't have rights to yeah. ask questions. And so they would just take whatever interview I did. Um, and so I usually had uh, MTV from hungry on my left and then I'd have might have Sky Italy on my right they are allowed to ask questions but they like to take our answers as well or it could be anybody really you, hmm. you kind of that's how it usually used to work and also when you do the driver interviews on a Friday Thursday or Friday which are at the back of the garage and not in the interview pen um, you do the same sort of thing really but you have to position yourself so, so English speakers over here German speakers mm. over here for example if it was Seb and then yeah people just stick their microphones in that's a but really cool insight How's it how's it been though? Obviously, with this change due to the coronavirus, it's it's changed completely the way you do interviews. You know, there aren't any toilet run interviews anymore. How's that been? It, on on camera, it looks like it's been a fairly a smooth transition, but I imagine it's been uh, kind of hell to organise. <laughs> it is. It's weird. It's. I mean, the first race in Austria because we now have the two meters between us and the driver, and there are static mic friends on stands. Mm. And you're both wearing masks. I found that first race in Austria, I didn't hear a word a driver said. They could have told me they were leaving or they hated their team principal or they're about to go and punch their teammate. I would not not, have That's great, yeah. And how's your race today? Uh (laughs) I've had the worst day of my racing career. Great, great. That's funny because I sort of imagined that the, the mic you're talking into was hooked up to your headphones. That's not the case. No. So what I then discovered was that there is one spare headphone jack on the camera. And so I got another set of earphones. So I put that into the camera. So I have one ear is the gallery and commentary, because if they've come out during the race, I have to still hear commentary. And then the other ear now is plugged into the camera and then I can hear their their answers. God. But um, yeah, it gets quite manic. And then if the cameraman wants to talk to me, he's got to use hand signals. (laughs) It's not easy this broadcasting malarkey, is it? Um, we've obviously, as we said at the top of this, we've we've had quite a few of your colleagues on this show already. Um, and and the universal thing is that everyone uh, raves about the team and working for Sky, and everyone seems to love it. It's a proper little family. What what is it about Sky that's so special and makes people hang around for so long? And and the bond that you will have together. I think. I think once you're in, you realise kind of what a big machine it is. And um, certainly when we came into Formula One, no one had heard of us. No one knew who we were. We were the annoying kind of little brother trying to muscle in on everything, I guess. And then gradually over the years, it's evolved that kind of you, we do get access to things that maybe not everybody does. We do get interviews that maybe not everybody does. And you really appreciate it, massively appreciate it when you're at the track. And I got to the track last weekend and, Sergio Perez was actually going to be racing in Spain and we got a sit down interview with him straight away. 
And that feels special. That yeah. feels different. And um, and then just just little things as you go along. And the, the team we have, because we travel so much together, everybody gets on. It's such a nice bunch of people. I mean, I would say Johnny Herbert's just become one of my close friends because he's just amazing. Absolutely amazing. Um and you do, you, I mean, you eat dinner every night together. You yeah. go for drinks together every night. You don't do that with your own friends at home. I mean, if I saw the same friends at home seven nights in a row, I guess you'd probably run out of things to say or <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. know, but, but we don't. And we, get, we do get on so well. Everyone's got each other's backs. Everyone looks out for each other. And it kind of, you couldn't do the job if you didn't, I don't think. Mm, yeah, it, that, that comes across so nicely as well on screen. But working for Sky, obviously you started in cricket. How long was it before sort of you broke into the Formula One side of things and, and reporting? Because you started off doing sort of Sky Sports news reports, didn't you, for, for the F1? Yeah, so when I got the job with Andy Cairns, I, I think it was my first or second day and I was in an edit suite. So my first day I said, literally, I just want to make the tea and I'll help write the scripts. I didn't want to be on camera. That was never my role. I'd never actually thought right. I wanted to be a presenter. I just wanted to write scripts and make the tea and work behind the scenes. And I was shadowing James Haddock, who'd also been at Power FM with me as my newsreader and also been at Talk Sport. And I ended up shadowing him on my first day at Sky Sports News. And I went out and saw how you, you know, put a package together and you go to the edit suite and everything else. And then I think it was my second, oh, it was really early anyway. And I was in an edit suite and the, um, one of the day editors came in and he said, oh, do you know anything about credit, uh, cricket? And I said, well, yeah, of course I do. I didn't know very much, but I just bluffed my way through it. He said, oh, I'll go to Canterbury tomorrow and do some lives from the Boundary Edge. And I was like, okay, <laughs> great what does that mean? And I got down there to Canterbury and I literally stood at the edge of this match for the entire day, giving them updates. And I really enjoyed it. I mean, I was bricking it, absolutely bricking it. Um, and it was the, it was before iPads and I, and you know, being able to have a laptop there to update, it's just literally staring at the scoreboard and these names and just trying not to get anything wrong. And then they said to me, Oh, well, can you just keep doing cricket? So they just kept sending me out to do cricket. And then I was sitting there one day and I'd kind of, branched off into a few other things. I'd done a bit more football and things. And um, I heard that we'd bought the rights to the Formula One. And as soon as we got the rights, I emailed everybody at Sky who might have anything to do with it and just said, I want to work in it. I want to work in it. I want to work in it. And then they came back and said, well, Sports News are going to have two reporters going to races. So I had to, I think this is the first time maybe other than McDonald's that I'd filled out a job application. <laughs> you, still, you still had to fill one out even though you were sort of I had to in do, the I had company to anyway. Yeah, I had to apply for the job. I had to put together a PowerPoint presentation. Wow. I had to design a logo. I had to talk about how we would cover it, what we would do, all these things, and then had a full two interviews for it. And then eventually um, Craig Slater and I got the two jobs in it. Um, and that's how it started in 2012. Wow, that's so Amazing. cool. And it sounds like... Um, this is about diversity and inclusion. So, you know, obviously we've all been made to think about this more because of things like the um, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement. Do you think being a female in motorsport has had any bearing on your progress through the sport? It sounds like your entry to it was actually pretty, um, pretty seamless and, and, and good. Um, what's been your experience in that regard? I, obviously I can't speak about racism or experiencing racism, but in terms of sexism, I don't think gender stops anybody getting a job in motorsport. I really don't believe that. I do know once you get into it and you get into the paddock, um, you do get moments and occasions of sexism, but it's kind of, it, it is that unconscious bias. It's not anything deliberate. You know, yeah. I mean, I talked about the story in China where in China going into the media center every single day, the security guard at the bottom would turn my pass over, look at the picture properly, then let me go. And the one at the top of the stairs would do the same thing. And I followed men into that media centre every single day and not one of them once got their pass checked. Mm, mm. And it's little things like that that until you actually stop and register it, it makes you think. And that might not sound like anything to anyone, but you're usually running a rush, rushing around. You've usually got to get somewhere pretty quickly. Yeah. Mm. And it all kind of adds up. But in terms of the actual sport, I don't, I've never experienced my gender being an obstacle yeah. I don't believe but it's funny even that, um, that small example you give there <clears throat> that's probably an example that most of us would dismiss a year ago but now we've been through this whole process with things like BLM and you know it, it, it's much more at the forefront and it, make, it makes you think more and suddenly little things like that are not little anymore you know it's, that's, a, that's a natural that's a natural problem yeah and it's 
It's funny. It's, I mean, weirdly, I followed three photographers in once and one of them actually commented on it. And I was like, I'm amazed you noticed. Mm. But he said, and he said, yeah, he said, I've never been stopped in 10 years of coming here. I've never been stopped. Yeah. So hopefully it's changing. Let's Mm. fingers crossed it's changing um, for BAME as well, because I, I agree with you until, I mean, I've always been aware of it and I've got um, a lot of close friends and, and past boyfriends who I have seen experience racism and it does it's hard to explain. I mean, I've had great conversations with guys on our team about things. And, and the thing that's come out of it all is that everybody wants to educate themselves yep. and everybody wants to be better. Yeah. And as long as we do that and we keep doing that, then we will get somewhere. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Have you then seen ever since obviously we've started um, now that sort of Formula One has, has managed to, it seems like they've managed to sort out the, the pre the pre-race uh, support for Black Lives Matter and uh, the end racism movement, which was a bit of a shambles in, in the early start. Do you think now that that's sort of being sorted out and it's portrayed well, are you starting to see a change from either end? Obviously, we talk about racism, but also uh, for women in motorsport as well. Are you seeing sort of change in general over the years that you've been in Formula One? Is it? Is it? Can you see it? Or is it still? do you still think there's a long way to go? I... I think when I first walked into the paddock, um, there were certainly already a lot of women, which was great. There are even more now. I don't know if that's a conscious effort or that's just, Mm. you know, it's just happened that way. Um, I certainly don't think the numbers from BAME community have increased, but I don't have the stats. But visually, I would say I don't, I don't feel that they've increased. Mm. Um, but I think attitudes and, and awareness, I think the most important thing is the awareness has massively improved. Yeah, yeah. And that's what needed to happen. This is not a moment in time. This is an, an ongoing process. This is an ongoing campaign. Sounds like a really strong word, but I guess it is a campaign. It, it, yeah. This can't just be a moment. It can't just be two minutes at the start of the grid. Yeah. This is just something we all need to be aware of in our lives going forward every day. There's a story of a guy who... I know very well, um, who has worked 20 years somewhere and was wearing a suit to work one day, black guy wearing a suit to work one day. And he went to leave work and someone came up to him and was really aggressive and said, you need to sort my security pass out. It doesn't work. <sighs> and they'd assumed because he was a black man in a suit that he was security. Mm. And I, that absolutely mortifies me. And I cannot even imagine how he felt. But hopefully that person who said that realises now their mistake and changes their attitude as a result of it, then we can move forward. Yeah, yeah let's say it's all the thing to happen to anybody in, in 2020 for crying out loud. Yeah. yeah, well, as you say, you know, we're having these conversations and people are educating themselves. Hopefully, as you say, it's not a one-stop shop. This is a, this is a continuous uh, moment in time. Um, would love to get your thoughts on, on things like um, the W Series, for instance, and what, what that means for, for women in motorsport and, and how you... Because we've spoken to a lot of drivers from the series and we had Catherine Bommier on the show as well. And, and a lot of people have actually changed their minds since they first since it first came out there were some you know female racing drivers who were so anti and so against it but having watched the first season actually realized no we now kind of get it so what, what what's your take on on the series i'm the same i when i first heard about it i thought i don't want women to drive in a separate series mm. i want them to be good enough to drive with the men on the same track in the same cars um but my mind's been changed as well and it's come through because I'm an ambassador for Dare to Be Different, which now has been combined with the FIA Girls on Track with Ferrari. And I realised that um, if you don't see a role model, you don't think you can be that person. So when I, when I was growing up, I didn't see women working in motorsport. I never even considered it. Although, to be fair, Louise Goodman and people were around. Mm. But I didn't even consider it. And now the best example was my niece who came to a Dare to Be Different day. And she came along. She's... She got on a motorbike at three years old. I mean, she's a nutter. Wow. But she was on a little motorbike at three years old. She now rides a big KTM um, wow. and goes racing with all the boys at a motocross track. I mean, she's awesome. But she came along to the day and thought, we thought she'd just get in the go-karts and be off and enjoy the go-karts. But she came along and the one session that she got the most out of was the STEM session. Because at school, she didn't get taught science, technology, engineering, maths. She didn't get taught the STEM. So they built a hovercraft on this day and then watched it fly. And, they were, and she came away saying, I want to do that. And she'd never yeah. come across it before. That's great. So 
you so for the W series, if a little girl at home can turn the TV on on a Sunday on on a terrestrial channel, any channel, whatever, and see girls racing, she thinks she can race in whatever series it is. But if she doesn't see that, she doesn't know it's an option for her. Yeah. So I do I do think it's had a good effect, and I think if it widens the pool that we take the talent from, at the moment I feel like the pool for girls is like this. So the chance of getting that one at the top is really rare. Whereas for boys, it's like this. Mm. But you've got a much more much greater chance. If we can widen that pool of girls, then hopefully we will get one. I yeah. still believe you've got to be the best to be there. I don't want someone giving it just because they're female. But you will find them if you widen the base you take them from. Yeah, yeah, yeah completely. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Now, listen, before we get to the most important part of the podcast, which I know you're extremely excited about, I'm keen to get <laughs> I'm keen to get your take on current F1. Um, you know, you've been around the sport for a while now. Um, you've seen it change year in, year out. We've got some big changes in the next couple of years in terms of budget cuts and aerodynamic changes and so on. Are, are you excited by the, the the plan changes and do you think it will be a good thing for the sport? I am really excited by them. I, it's really hard. I stopped watching over the Schumacher years, you know, when it got just so dominant and so predictable. And I was thinking at the moment, maybe there are people out there feeling that way about Lewis and Mercedes. And I hate that because I love this sport so much and I want everyone to enjoy it. So if it brings it back to the competition and I was actually having this conversation with someone on Wednesday about how, that era from 2005, 2006, 2007, 2008, 2009, 2010, where you had all the different constructors winning and the different drivers winning, although Fernando got two, but you know, then you had, you went on for Kimi and Lewis and Jensen. <clears throat> I, I want that back for the fans. I really want that back. So if it does what it says on the tin and it's supposed to do, then it'll be brilliant. Um, until we open the tin, we don't know. But when they're saying at the moment, when a driver comes up to me in the pen and they say, oh, I was stuck in dirty air and I couldn't overtake. It makes my blood boil yeah. because I want them to have that opportunity. I want to see the overtakes. I want to see them go for a lunge or go for something. So mm. at the moment, they're saying, what well, they lose, uh, they 80, they're at 86% or 56, 55% at the moment of their power of what they're able to do when they follow a car. And they're promising that's going to go up to 86%. Right, if that's right. the case, when they're following, they will be able to try and make an overtake. And that's mm. what we want to see back. They're, they're promising all this. I really, really hope it works. And they're simplifying everything as well. You know, those front wings at the moment are ridiculous. Yeah. They've got so many elements to them. They're going to simplify all that. I mean, it's fingers crossed, fingers crossed. They're trying, at least they're trying. That's the thing. Yeah, that's the good thing. I suppose they're, they're trying, they recognise the problem and that's that's good because, you know, as you say, it, there are there are people who, I know people who don't watch it anymore because, oh, Hamilton on pole, yeah. Has he won it? Yeah. Um, it's just as, as amazing as Lewis Hamilton's achievements are. You, you want to be able to see someone, him battling with Verstappen uh, and Bottas and, you know, add in, you want Vettel and the Ferraris. And you want Lance Stroll and the podium. Come on, Lance. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. I think, I can't remember who said it actually, but I think it it was someone, someone on on the Sky team, I think, or maybe it was a driver who who was talking about, there's, there's always been, you've never had all, you know, how many, 10 teams. There's, that's never been the case of they're all um, one they're all going to be able to, to challenge for the win. There's always been, um, you know, one or two top teams and then the rest, there's, you know, an outside chance of a podium if there's a retirement or a, a crazy race. Um, but at the moment, we don't have that. It's just one team. No matter what Mercedes say, being like, oh, we have to be extra careful this race. We might lose. Blah, blah, blah. They will always be there. Yeah. Always. Yeah, it's all lip service. And it's just the odd challenge at the moment from Red Bull because Ferrari have got no chance at the moment. So you just think that that's the issue. It's not the case of, um, you know, we're not expecting the hassle, or, you know, or some, uh, you know, driver to be up there constantly. They need to be able to fight with the Mercedes. It's just to have two or three top teams where the, that fight is, is you never quite know who's going to win it. And then because the midfield has always been able to scrap. So yeah. that's always been an interesting fight. But you just need to widen that net at the top and then you've got the problem solved. And it's important that we that, that before Lewis retires, we need to see Lewis fighting against people like Lando and Max Verstappen in, in more even machinery because we're missing out yeah. on all that really at the moment. You know, it'd be amazing. Um, he wants it too. Like yeah, the drivers want yeah, it. You know, Lewis actually wants that challenge. He wants to prove to people I think the thing that Lewis thinks about I mean I'm guessing here but you know Sebastian Vettel's always been t- tagged with he had the best car how good is he really he had the best car Lewis does not want that tag when he leaves Mercedes no, no. he wants to be able to go away going 
you told me Max was good, I beat him. You told me Charles was good, I beat him. You told me Lando was good, I beat him. He wants to be able to have those battles and prove that that he really was the quickest. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Now, as I alluded to, there is a very important part of this podcast, and it's. I feel like I feel like it's got added importance because prove yourself. Yeah, but I feel like it's added importance because of your colleagues who have done this already. Harry Benjamin, over to you, my friend. Yes. So Rachel Brooks, welcome to the hardest quiz in motorsports. This is the Motor Mouths Quiz. Now, there are 13 points up for grabs here. There are um, four clips that we're going to play you, uh, and you're going to, uh, you know, it's a, bit what, uh, it's a bit like say what you see, except you're hearing what you're hearing, or saying what you're hearing, that's it. Um, uh, and then there's a bonus question at the end. At the moment, at uh, top of the list is IndyCar driver Connor Daly. Uh, he's with 13 points. He's got the max. But because wow. if you get if you get 13, because you're the most recent, you go to the top. That's how it works. That's not going to um, happen. Yeah. You never <laughs> know. You never know. Um, no, uh, second is Brendan Hartley. He's 12 and a half. And third is Guido van der Gaard at the moment. In terms of colleagues, direct colleagues, we have um, Crofty sitting in uh, around 10th position with 11 points. He is the highest on the list. Uh, And uh, Miss Pinkham is just underneath that as well. So uh, that's where you're aiming. You're aiming for around the 10-11 mark. And there's no danger of losing out to Karun Chandok because he is... Sadly, Karun only achieved three three and a half points. He sits at the bottom of the table. (laughs) But he's Karunapedia. He's our encyclopedia. No. That's what everyone has told us. Everyone has told us. But he had an... We actually... We went to his house. He served us biscuits and he had an absolute shocker. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. He had a oh, okay. And, so and, and they, were, they were all about him, weren't they? Didn't, weren't they? They were all about him. So, uh, so, so yeah. Yeah, anyway. So, basically, we'll play you the first clip. Some of them are things you've said in past interviews. Other oh, things God. are... Uh, the majority of it is team radio. Um, okay. And then just give us a bit of context around that. So, let's kick off. Have a listen to this. Clip number one. You're going to have to listen hard. Yeah, these are tough. Here it comes. Like that. Oh my god, this is really hard. That's all you get. That's all you get. Do you need to have another listen? Was that when I went to Mexico to see Sergio Perez? Yes, absolutely. I went to the gym with him. Yes, that's what I, I needed that for the full house. Thank you very much. And he was trying to make me do the planks on the bench. He was trying to make me do the side plank and it was a nightmare. Okay, How he did the side plank with just his head? I have not, like, that's cr- oh, crazy. <laughs> I got my PT to try it when we got home and he couldn't do it. He, they are, you forget that they're the athletes. They really are athletes. Yeah. Um, okay, strong, strong start. Mm, You're way ahead of Karun already. Yeah. Uh, yes. Okay, have a, have a listen to this next clip uh, and think about who's saying what, the context of it as well. Here okay. we go. Look at this. Hmm. Well, that's Danny Kvyat. Correct. Yep. It could be any race. Um, <laughs> I think it was Spain, with the one we've just had, right? Absolutely. And who was he talking about? It could be a Haas. <laughs> High probability, but... Uh... <laughs> Not in this case. Do I get any clues? Okay, so it's a, uh, a slow team. We're thinking towards the back of the grid here. I think we're going to have to push you for an answer. Williams? Yes. Uh, Latifi? Yes. (laughs) But because you had clues, that's only half a point for that one. Oh, Uh, nasty, uh, nasty man. But you're okay at the moment so far. Three. Really hard clip, to be fair, because that could have been any. That could have been any. Yeah, that's why it's the hard. It's the hardest quiz. Okay, have a listen to this clip number three. This is a killer. This one. There's no. I don't know really where the where where to go faster. I think that's hard. I know what this is. Yeah. This was Alex Albon in Spain, and he was talking about how he his tyres, he just cannot get them to work. Entries, exits, all of it. I remember this clip quite well because he was so downhearted. And then yeah, Christian yeah. came back on the radio and said, you had some dirty air as well, though, don't worry. Wow. Mm, very supportive. Very yeah. good. But, yeah, that's absolutely right. I, I thought that was tough. I just to give him a hug all the time. Yeah. Know, he's really struggling quite badly, isn't he? But mm, mm. I think it's also a testament to how amazing Verstappen is, really. Yeah. Um, okay. This is your final clip before a bonus question. You've done very well up to this point, Rachel. Let's mm. not let it slip. It's looking good. Uh, final Pressure. clip for you. Final clip. Let's play it. Here it comes. 
Now, that, that's your colleague, Simon Lazeby, and, of course, Johnny Herbert, chatting about something that's happened to Verstappen. What has happened to him? I mean, we're, we're covering nine years here, or, like, actually, just <laughs> in the sport. Can I not get it narrowed down at all? Uh, no, I'll get, you know, it, it, I will, no, I'll, I'll be nice, because uh, nine years is a long time. So it was this, this current season that that is a comment from. I think you're well, kicking. DNF'd in the first race in Austria. Quite a big incident has occurred this year, and it's this year, this season. And he DNF'd in Austria in the first race. He did. Just going to kick herself. What other big things happened to Verstappen at a race this year? Perhaps just before the race is. Oh, don't give too much away. Christ. Oh, my God. My memory is so bad. I should have been an actress because I can remember stuff and then I dump it 30 seconds later out of my head. (laughs) Um, Right, hold on, hold on. Uh, Is it one I was at? This is really important. Oh, that's a good Mm. question. If it was Hungary or the British Grand Prix, I wasn't there. Ah, okay. Well, we'll give you a credit. You you weren't there. You may have been watching from home. So, uh, in Hungary, did something happen? Might have done. Something quite big happened, potentially. In Hungary. uh, We're going to have to push for an answer. Max crashed in Hungary. (laughs) 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 Max crashed in Hungary, um, but he still raced. Mm -hmm. Yes, so so when did he crash, though? Sorry? Mm -hmm. When did he crash, though? I think he crashed in uh, FP3 and they had to get it ready for qualifying. Oh, Rachel, 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 Rachel. Oh, I blew it. It's a good guess, but it's not right. I'm going to give you one and a half points for that one, for getting Verstappen and that something happened. Well, no, actually, we gave you that in the clip anyway. I'm going to give you one and a half points because I'm really nice, but it was Verstappen losing it on the way to the grid. Oh, it was on the way to the grid. Too late. 24 minutes to change. Yep, Yep. there we go. 24 minutes, he went into, um, he crashed on the formation lap and then that's why Simon was on the audio. And then they had to get to the grid and they 24 minutes to change front wing because he damaged or they're not the front wing but there was a part of the front wing which was an upright and they had to change that yeah lovely lovely detail lovely detail but harry don't you dare go give him more points my man i am i am tempted i got the amount of minutes they had yeah i know i know i know i'm tempted to up it to two i am tempted uh go on then it's friday go on it's nearly the weekend it's a friday yeah Uh, okay that is two points two out of three points for that one now and it's my birthday today oh oh, is it oh happy birthday i would have done a happy birthday jingle had i known oh i would have gone easy on the quiz then um now you tell me yeah uh okay this is your final bonus point bonus question if you can get this Okay. Formula One released their 20 fastest F1 drivers of all time this week. Two drivers stood out by being placed in the top 10 above the likes of Vettel, Button, Prost, etc. But who were these two drivers? Well, I know there was some jokes about Will Stevens being quicker than like (laughs) or something. Like there was some random stats came out of it. Well, so one of the names you said there is is a name I'm looking oh for. Oh my god, Harry! Just, uh, just uh, give her the answers. It's her birthday. Make it go, Malinen. Yes. <laughs> that, 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 that's yeah. You get you need, to get the full nowhere. point. Um, to get the full point, you need the other driver as well. So there were two drivers. Will I'll get uh, Will Stevens is is that's he wasn't even in the top twenty. Um, there was some funny stat, yeah. There um, was a joke. There, yeah, I think yeah, there was a, a good joke about that. But um, it what? was it was it's another driver who uh, for some reason you know was was in the top ten. I've got I've got a clue that that might well, not give it away. So right, it probably will give it away. He drove. Okay, first clue. He and you. I don't know if you'll know this fact. He had had or has his own. Wine, his own variety, he makes wine or made wine. Second clue, he drove for a very, very large Japanese car maker. 
And it was red and white. Can I pretend, the, can I pretend my internet's frozen for a second? <laughs> yeah, <that> quickly Googles. <laughs> Um, and maybe a final clue, as it is your birthday, this other driver was teammates at one point with Heike Kovalainen. That wouldn't have helped me, that one. Would it not? He was also teammates with a Schumacher. Ralph. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um... So what have we got? We've got, he's a driver, sort of has his own vineyard, has been teammates with Heike Kovalainen and also Ralph Schumacher, raced for a Japanese manufacturer in Formula One. Who could uh, it be? These are good We didn't even research these clues. These are good clues. <laughs> no, no well, it's, just, it's just knowledge oh, out... Oh right, I think we're... Uh, we... I'm going to... Well, I'm thinking if, they, if they've got a vineyard, then they've got to be either living in, like, France or... I wonder if they still have a vineyard. I think one of the, one final clue for you. Uh, I think he was this driver was was well had a sort of term named after him called the something train uh, because he was very good at holding yes. drivers yes, up he behind did. him. And and Harry and oh god, we're really yeah, coming up yeah, yeah. now. There's there's a tenuous link. See if you get this one to Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. You know, you know what I'm saying? Do you know what I'm talking about? No. I do not know. Du, 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 du. You know that song? I can't say my Chitty Chitty Bang Bang knowledge is as good as my Formula One knowledge. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang didn't have the child catcher, did it? Yeah. And there's a song in it that has his name in it. <sighs> I'm loving this. Harry, you, don't, you, you, you must have seen Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. I don't know this one. Well, I can't remember. It's been a long time. Something scrumptious. Truly scrumptious. Truly. Truly scrumptious. Truly scrumptious. <laughs> I think we've given. I think that's the nicest we've ever been for a quiz. I love you both. I love you both. Thanks <laughs> in the post. Uh, we got there. Heiki Kovalainen and, of course, Yarno Truly. That's oh, who I was dear. looking. I just for. hope we've got all of our clue facts correct there, or the mobocracy is going to kill us. We have. I'm pretty. Just confident. edit that bit out, and I'll come up with Heiki yeah. Kovalainen and Yarno Truly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we all look amazing. <laughs> but now, now uh, the be all end all. I need to count up the. Uh, the points yeah. you've got. We're well, so, definitely no, beating Karoon. Like yeah. We're yeah. all good. Beating Karoons, that's all right. I think you're probably up there with Pinkham. Oh! Right, here we go. The results are in. And Rachel Brooks. Okay, you're not in the top three. We're going to rule that out right now. But that's fine. We're into double figures. And it is a very, very respectful 11 points, which actually takes you equal with the likes of Crofty. And uh, you're also up there with uh, Eduardo Mortara, the Formula E driver, uh, Will Buxton, Mm. Oliver Rowland, and Sebastian Buemi. So that's who you're with there in the the 11s link. (laughs) So uh, that's where you are. Rachel Brooks, thank you very much for playing probably the easiest version in terms of clues of the the Motor Mouths quiz. (laughs) That was excellent. (laughs) Thoroughly enjoyed that. Well done. Uh, Listen, uh, we won't keep you for too much longer. Somehow we're already nearly an hour in, unbelievably. So um, we'll we'll skip ahead to a a few of our more quickfire questions. Um, You obviously travel under normal circumstances when we're not all uh, banned from races, but um, you you normally travel all over the world. Where's your favourite place to go on the calendar? Oh, there's a few because they have different reasons behind them but I always love going to Austin to the Texas race yeah me too um, the city's just great and there's live music everywhere and the food's great and everyone seems to be in a good mood in Austin yeah everyone likes going to that race so the whole paddock's lifted and um, cheerful although Mexico's been catching up Mexico's been brilliant the last few years um, the city really embraces it and it's a it's an incredible place if you've never been to Mexico City you should definitely go definitely go yeah um, and it's also usually around the day of the dead celebrations, which just takes it. Of course. To level. Yeah. yeah. So that's amazing as well. Those two are probably my favourites on the calendar at the moment. Excellent. Very strong favourites. Okay. Um, you're also, word has it, a bit of a poker player. <laughs> yeah. How good are <laughs> you? How did that... I worked on Sky Poker for a while. Oh, really? Uh, tell, yeah. what, tell us what. Uh, has poker always been a um, thing? Or have you? As, no, as a. I did. I think I presented a couple of them and then I was like the the guest on a panel so people at home online are playing and you have a target on you basically they have to hunt you down oh, wow. beat you and take you out of the tournament God. oh brilliant so you, get, you get extra extra prize or whatever it is for taking out one of the panel yeah so I, yeah I, I had to target on my back okay so you weren't able you weren't making money from the poker actually playing no, poker. I've never 
No, I've never actually, I've played one tournament at a casino in London, which was like a charity tournament. And so I don't know if anyone knows anything about poker, but there used to be this guy who was amazing called Greg Raymer. Who's won won the World Poker Series. I think he won it twice, maybe three times. And I went to this charity poker tournament. I ended up on the table with him. So I won my table and got moved onto this table with him. And he was wearing these funny glasses, you know, where the eyes pop out and stuff like that. Things that I used to do in poker to distract you. And, um, And I don't know how I won my table, but I got moved onto the table with him and I was absolutely terrified so on the top I was trying to look all cool and calm under the table my feet are just tapping away like nobody's business and I lasted I think about three hands but on one of them I bluffed him out of a hand and it's my claim to fame in poker is that I had like a jack and a three in my hand and I completely got rid of him by bluffing and I loved it I was like yes Uh, (laughs) I can stop now that's amazing brilliant I have no idea how to play poker absolutely no clue Um, I think that's my strength when it comes to poker because I don't really know what I'm doing so no one really knows what I think that's actually a strength you can have it is I get apparently I'm really annoying to play against because I don't play the way you're supposed to play yeah and that really annoys people you don't know if you've got good or good cards or not so every hand (laughs) is is a bluff Uh, (laughs) um rachel what are you good at what's your amazing skill do you have a special Uh, hidden uh, talent i can juggle hey how many balls really yeah, only three. Yeah. How many? Like, <laughs> have we got, got any to hand? Isn't it? Oh my god! So I actually have some tennis balls here. I should, oh my oh, god! Oh, as she, if she hadn't planned. Oh look, this. three balls. Oh, you said to me if I don't hit tennis, and actually, whenever anyone's asked me, I've always said it, and everyone's gone prove it. I'm like, oh, I can't. I haven't got anything to prove it with. Right. Well, we've got this on camera, so let's get this I'm going. Take a picture of this. Now I'm going to drop them. <laughs> yeah. No, come on. No pressure. We've got. Yeah. Hey! Yes! Very good. Very well done. (laughs) That is the best preparation we've had for that question out of all 40 guests. That's fantastic. Because I'm I'm actually playing tennis later, so I've got got them ready by the door. Oh, perfect. (laughs) (laughs) That is brilliant. Okay, well, flip it on the other side then. What are you terrible at? What's like, what are you just awful? So many things. Um, Remembering races and quizzes. (laughs) (laughs) You're not the first. Um, What am I terrible at? Uh... I mean, there must be a long list of things, but you probably need to ask. <laughs> um, my terrible. I can't sing. I can't. I'd love to be good at art. I can't draw for toffee. My brother's brilliant at drawing. Um, yes, I'm terrible at singing. Don't ever go anywhere I do karaoke for your yeah. own sake. Um, dancing, I wait until everybody is very, very drunk and they won't remember it. Same. Yeah. Solid plan. Um, yeah, yeah. That's 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 it. Creatively, I, I write, but I'm no good at the rest of the creative stuff. Can't draw. Can't. Yeah, all that other stuff. Didn't. Uh. Wasn't born with it. Hundred <laughs> uh, percent. Fair dues. Now, listen. Uh, we have three final questions which we ask of all of our guests. Um, okay. So I'll, I'll kick off this week. Um, what's got you excited at the moment? Back being back working. Yeah. Like I know that sounds really weird. Everyone's like, oh, I don't want to go back to work. But actually, seeing people. Um, in lockdown, I was in various different WhatsApp groups with people actually in the paddock. And we all really sort of lent on each other, if that makes sense. And and um, being able to see them again, all right, we can't sit and have a coffee like we used to and stuff. But um, seeing all those faces again is just, and just being back doing it and just getting some kind of normality back is just, mm-hmm. I think it's just, well, it's been brilliant. I've really, really enjoyed it. And I'm excited about going out for dinner tonight for my birthday. Hey, that'd be nice. Yeah. Well, that'd be very exciting. Um, if not, doing what you're currently doing reporting sports reporting formula one what would it be what would you be what would you be doing so i've just been watching this series on netflix called selling sunset have you seen it oh i haven't seen it heard very good things about it though so so basically it's these realtors or estate agents in la selling these houses that are like 44 million dollars and stuff like that and i've been watching that thinking maybe i should just retrain and get my realtor's license in America and go and do that because that looks amazing. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, the commission and a, nice, a nice commission on that. Yeah. 44 million. Like a hundred grand commission on some houses and this one guy was going, yeah, I'm going to clear a million this year. I was like, what? In commission? 
Yeah, I'm totally in the wrong job. Having seen that now, I think that should be my alternative life. Yeah, I'm yeah, with you. Nice. I'm with you. Take us with uh, you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> talking Netflix, um, we're currently watching, it's been on for a while, but uh, American Horror Story. If you haven't seen oh, that. Oh, I've seen it. Holy crap. It is terrifying. It's literally wow. made Chloe cry. It is horrifically scary, but absolutely brilliant. We're only on series one out of eight, but it's amazing. We've been binge Why watching that. Why would you watch that? Chloe likes the feeling of being scared, even though it's waking her up. So night. do I. Yeah. So, I love a horror film. Yeah. You're love weird. It. I love the idea <laughs> of being scared. I just know. It's just, I don't know. It's a weird, weird thing. Well, actually, while we're on the topic of Netflix recommendations, I've been binge watching a thing called How to Get Away with Murder. Ooh. Oh, I love it. I've seen it. Love it. I'm, have you seen it? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm at like series five at the moment. I'm, I'm literally hooked. It's, oh, I'll it's, check that oh, out. I'm so not good. on the latest one, but I've seen the others and I love oh, it. Absolutely I, love love it. I think it's, it's amazing. Anyway, she's um, scary. She's she, quite scary. Yes, yes, she is. But, but sort of, uh, I, but again, that's that's. Uh, she's well, she's the main character, but she's powerful. So it's like you know, she knows what she's doing. Um, final question then for you. Uh, not not Netflix related, uh, but related. What are you scared of? Uh, so I have two phobias <clears throat> excellent one is tryptophobia I think I've said that right okay and I I'm even like getting the feels talking about it so you're going to have to google it to see what it is right so okay google it now while you're looking while you're talking to me so say it again tryptophobia t-r-y-t-o-p-o-p-h-o-b-i-a t-r-y-t-o trip tryptophobia okay can you find... Tryptophobia, yeah, okay. So, ah, oh, I've got this. It's the same as oh, me. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Uh, it's the same. You remember, Harry, I told you about this during yeah, the Crofty yeah. one. It's the, it's the fear of tiny holes. Yeah, oh, I, but you see, it makes yes, me scratch my hands yes. when you even talk about it. It's horrible. Oh, thankfully, someone that understands. It's that. Oh, it's, Sergio Perez. Has so he? if I look at people think it's funny to no, show me pictures, it's, right? And then I have to look at. I literally have to search cute puppies on the internet it's to clear my. I'm showing a picture of it. It's, it's that it's that weird plant with the holes in and, and sponges, anything like that. I, honestly, my all my hairs are standing up on end of my arm. It is a real thing. It is. I've literally awful. I've got weird. It's weird. horrible. Ah, oh, we're weird phobia buddies. Oh, I feel akin. I, if somebody oh. understands because yeah. it's, people just laugh at you, but it's honestly it's just. Horrible. I'll tell you the worst part of it is. Oh, it's that there are I don't know if I want to hear my, this. Chloe, my wife, to wind me up, will get a picture oh, of the bottom of someone's foot with tiny holes in it. <laughs> and it's just the stop, most stop, stop. horrific thing I've ever seen in my life. I actually can't get my head around this. Uh, this I, just don't. Uh, I, when I was an air hostess once, we went to the oh. Zambezi River. And we walked on the riverbed and didn't realise you're not supposed to because there's a worm that lives in the riverbed and burrows into your foot. Ooh. And on the flight yeah. home, one of the girls said to me, her foot was really itchy and she oh. took her right of her shoe off and she had a hole in her foot. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Oh. No, no, can't cope with it. I'm really oh. sorry. I am going to have to Google puppies oh. now and have to have a look at some cute Oh, God. Right, well... <laughs> Traumatic. Can you call me for liking scary films? Unbelievable. But alternatively, I'm also scared of tunnels. And so yeah, to Belgium next that. week, everyone is going through the Channel Tunnel and I have to fly. All right. Wow. Oh, that's that's really, really. Oh, it's that bad. You, you will. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. What is it? The dark? Is it or is it something to do with. No, I, I think it starts because when I was a kid, we used to go to France and it was never an issue. But I think I watched in a geography lesson the two Channel Tunnel boring machines meet. Mm-hmm. You know, in England and France met. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And in my head, I can still see that image now. And I think that's when it changed. And I just thought, we're not supposed to be in tunnels. They're not man-made. They're, they are man-made. They're not natural. Yeah. And they're going to collapse. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, yeah. so wow. what about the uh, the Dartford tunnel? Can you do that one? <laughs> I have done it. I So when I go into a tunnel, I can't speak to anyone. And I have to just focus to try and see the glint of um, daylight bouncing yeah. off the wall at the far end. Wow. It's intense. And I literally just don't speak. And I'm just like... Looking, looking and looking and waiting to see that little chink of light come wow. through that focus on and get out good lord well you're you're almost as weird as Crofty and his fear of tea bags so um, that's that, really odd yeah yeah isn't it 
Yeah, really weird. Really, really I think it's weird. just an excuse not to make Laura his other half cup of tea, that's what I think. I think so. <laughs> that's all, yeah, we thought that as well, unbelievable. <laughs> oh, well, listen, dear. Rachel, we, we've taken up enough of your time, especially on your birthday. Um, thank you so much for coming on uh, to the Most Mouth podcast. Uh, wish you the absolute best for, for travelling to, uh, to Belgium and for the remainder of the season as well. I hope it's going to be a really exciting one. Um, and thank you so much for, for coming on. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Motormouth podcast. Do make sure you give us a follow on our socials, Twitter at Motormouth underscore Instagram at Motormouth underscore official and on Facebook, just search Motormouth. You can download the Motormouth app where you can get exclusive video content from MMTV, create your own social profile, interact with others and check up on all the latest happenings with whatever motorsport takes your fancy. Don't forget to like, subscribe and review. And until next time, you've been listening to the Motormouth podcast. 